1: Yes, it is. Welcome back. As we head into our third hour, we do so with Daniel Galanter. Dan Galanter is, among other things, a contributor to American greatness with a super important piece out today titled No One Can Disagree With Socialism. Before you change the channel, Dan is not saying what the title may have you think he's saying. Daniel, welcome back. Tell us what you mean, No One Can Disagree With Socialism.
2: Uh, hi, Seth. Hi. Glad to be back. Thank you. Um, no one can disagree with socialism, as the the line of the left, as most recently expressed by this uh, airheaded actor who's starring in in Black Widow and is making millions of dollars doing so.
1: Oh, it's and a terrible movie. I'm glad. Screen. I'm glad. There's another reason not to like it. I don't.
2: Okay. Good. Good. Yes, I, I think. I, I think. Uh, we're we're more or less fed up with Hollywood at this point. Yeah. Um, and it's not really news to have another Hollywood multimillionaire uh, telling ordinary people that socialism must be great. Sure. Um, because look what it's done for him, after all. Yeah, th- um, yes, and he it, can
1: afford it now, right?
2: Absolutely. Uh, the The point is not so much uh, that th- this fellow is saying anything right. new, right. Um, but that the socialism for all of these people has... Uh, nothing to do with the uh, catchphrases that they like science and reason, and everything to do with a, a religion which has become an alternative to them to traditional religion.
1: Mm-hmm. I I I, I want to get into this traditional religion because that really is the template for everything you're writing here on 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 Marx's influence on America now or socialist influence on America, because as you write. It's not to expel all religion it's to expel competing religions. two religions can't exist at once you write
2: well yes the um it is it's the fond line of the the Marxist, um, the the person who claims to be an atheist, my, my, my take is really that they're not atheists, they just don't believe in our God, they don't believe in a Christian God mm-hmm. or a Jewish God, they believe in a sort of God of Marxism, as it were. Mm-hmm. And so they make a big deal about the separation of church and state, uh, which, of course, is not in the Constitution. We have the Establishment Clause, it's a related idea that we shouldn't have an established state religion. But um, when they express this idea of separation of church and state, um, it's always to expel traditional religion, to expel Christianity or Judaism from the classroom, especially from all public places. Um, but they don't want to get rid of religion per se. They just want to make room for their own religion as a replacement, because uh, Marxism is a religion. It has all the tenets of a religion. It's not susceptible to rational evaluation. It can't be disproven. It's just something that you believe in.
1: And they want to disrupt traditional religion as they want to disrupt a lot of other things. It was hard for people to grasp this who weren't familiar with philosophy or ideology, David. Uh, Excuse me, um, um, uh, Daniel. But one of the interesting things about the biggest Marxist movement in our country that was recognized as such by conservatives and the founders who told us they were Marxist, but seemingly no one else. I'm talking about Black Lives Matter. One of the very main features of their movement, of course you had issues having to do with education, but the the one that was so interesting to me was disruption of the Western family. And that, is classic Marx. Engels wrote a book on the disruption of family. The Communist Manifesto spends a lot of time on the disruption of the family. It seems to me people were kind of feeling around in the dark just simply because they didn't understand why we who understood Marx were so concerned that so many people in elite stations in America, mayors, governors, senators, congressmen, candidates for the presidency, we're aping Marxist lines.
2: Yes, Marxists hate families. They have always hated families because they, that is the family, uh, interposes itself between the individual and his allegiance to the state. It's its sort of like um, expecting um, all priests to remain celibate so they can focus on their relationship with God, uh, Marxists want all of us to remain out of family so we can focus on our relationship with the government. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a family, you care about these people, um, and, and you, you, your obedience to the state may be undermined thereby. The uh, Marxist view uh, is a dictatorship of bureaucrats with nothing to protect you from them, and nothing to, to take away your obedience and your attention and your focus from serving the government.
1: You know, one of the interesting things I did, maybe you'll find it interesting, Daniel. One of the interesting things I did, Dan, uh, a while ago as I was watching this Marxism ascendant in America, at the same time we were watching cancel culture explode, uh, you know, uh, explode on the scene. We were watching uh, deplatforming. We were watching censorship take place at levels we never thought possible. Um, I was looking at what, Marx's interpreters and Marxist views were on freedom of speech. And it's interesting. They will say they only believe in freedom of speech that serves the Marxist cause. So I suppose theoretically you could have speech that ranges tolerably from Trotsky to Lenin, but anything outside, maybe a little Stalin is okay, but any, anything outside of that, uh, would, of course, be subject to making you an enemy of, of the state. Having said that, yes. there's an even more tyrannical element here that Black Lives Matter adopted than their curriculum, and it's one of their platforms, and I'll just read it to you directly from the BLM curriculum. In affirming that Black Lives Matter, we need not qualify our position to love and desire freedom and justice for ourselves is a prerequisite for wanting the same for others. It's that part about we need not qualify our position. They don't want to engage in debate. They don't think they should have to engage in debate. This is as authoritarian as it gets. We state it, thus it is true.
2: It's the dead giveaway that you're not talking to people who are interested in science, interested in, in reason— if they were, they would welcome a debate and the chance to prove that their position is the correct one. Uh, as we know, no 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 uh, no hypothesis, no theory in science is safe from being reevaluated. It's supposed to be reevaluated as a new evidence arrives. So there's nothing science can't be settled. That idea is nonsense. Uh, you can settle your religion though. You you figure out what your dogmatic principles are going to be and you stick to them, and you don't like people to challenge them because and this. Actually, and, um, Paul Johnson wrote a fascinating book called Intellectuals, where mm-hmm. he talked about several intellectuals, including Karl Marx, and makes the point that Marx, uh, Marx hated having people challenge his concept. He hated debate. It would make him actually you know, angry in a sort of uh, violent, confrontational way, uh, because it's, it, he was not a scientist who studied a problem and came up with a a possible solution and then spent his life evaluating it to find out whether that solution was correct or not, he had this idea, he latched onto it, he recognized that his identity and his future worth, essentially, were associated with that idea being correct, and he spent the rest of his life trying to refute the evidence that suggested it was wrong.
1: You know, attendant, or attached, related to that point, Daniel, is an interesting one. As well, you mentioned the Establishment Clause in your essay. You mentioned it uh, earlier in this interview as something that was to uh, ensure that uh, the the federal government – originally that the federal government would not prefer one religion over another. But isn't it interesting that that is what the progressive left is going after, even more so than the speech clauses under the First Amendment? They're going – after Freedom of Religion and Establishment Clause issues. They can't even tolerate a woman selling flowers or a baker of a cake. They can't even have that in their midst. They have to go after that because the Marxist religion is more important than the Christian religion.
2: And I find it deeply uh, ironic that the same leftists who are so tolerant, they say, of other cultures, for example, where women aren't even allowed to drive, or cultures in which, in fact, slavery still exists, like Chinese uh, communism, at the same rate are intolerant of someone wanting to go to church in America.
1: Yeah, no, that's right. And what we have done in deferring to communism is uh, frankly astounding when you think about what the nba is engaged in what american corporations from coke to nike are engaged in. i gotta take a break you want to spend a little more time with us you have a little more time absolutely great we will be right back with dan Galertner. he is a columnist for american greatness among other things welcome to take your calls too. six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero his current essay over at american greatness no one can disagree with socialism. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Daniel Galanter is our guest. He is a contributor to American greatness, uh, among other things, and um, Welcome back 6025080960 No one can disagree with socialism is the title of his most recent piece the idea that religion must be expelled from all public places is a lie and a fraud a Marxist trojan horse the goal isn't to expel all religion the goal is to expel all competing religions that compete with marxism Excuse me, that compete with Marxism. Daniel, one of the interesting things one keeps whenever one writes or speaks of Marx or Marxism, one of the things one runs into is the argument that well, you can quote you know statistics out of Mao's China, you can quote the red book, you can talk about um, what took place in the Soviet Union, but those weren't really and true communist Marxist societies, true Marxism has never really been tried. I remember Irving Kristol many years ago, Bill's dad, writing about that very point and saying that these Americans who say that, and they're mostly Americans who say that, are convinced that they have a better understanding than anyone else who has proclaimed to be operating in Marx's name. I always thought that was an interesting point. But you never hear the argument that capitalism, true capitalism, has never been tried, have you?
2: It's very curious that socialism or Marxism should be so difficult as to have been historically impossible to implement correctly. And every time it's uh, implemented partially, it kills some tens of millions of people, Uh, whereas the alternate version free market society. I don't like to call it capitalism. That's also a Marxist term. But free market societies have been implemented in various places and flourish immediately and raise everyone's standards of living and don't seem to feel the need to go and murder millions of people. It's one of the deep and inexplicable ironies of Marxism.
1: It is. And, 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 And that's why a lot of us kind of cringe, if I can transition to the issues having to do with um, with COVID and masks and children and government power and that entire, well, let's call it basket of horribles for now, not, not deplorables, but horribles, parade of horribles. That's why a lot of us flinch when we see all of this done in the name of science or even worse, public safety terms that come with pretty... Uh, pretty in in iniquitable in, 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 in um, Marxist pedigrees.
2: Absolutely. The, I remember. The I remember.
1: Thing- to, to, today is the day Robespierre, by the way, who was beheaded, and I'm remembering something called the Committee on Public Safety.
2: A uh, happy anniversary. Yes. Uh, the yes, Marxism often comes back to bite the Marxist, of course, not until he's had his way with large swathes of the population a defining feature of the progressive left is that they believe words have meaning in and of themselves, so you can you can make something that thing just by saying it. If you say something is scientific, that's what scientific is. If you say something is for the public safety, then that it must be. If you say that something is the people's democratic republic, then it must be for the people, and it must be a democracy and a republic, because you just said it was. Um, likewise, they don't realize that a, a, a dollar, for example, does not have any absolute value. It represents a certain value in, in labor that you can exchange for things, but they think that just by decreeing that people will have more dollars or get paid more dollars for a certain amount of work, that they'll have more money in their lives. Um, That's it, the, the idea of, of dissociating things from their meaning and yep. believing that they stand in the abstract and can be applied to anything is, is one of the favorite tricks
1: yeah i remember I remember early on uh did you ever know you might have uh you might have known did you ever know Bernard Lewis, the Princeton scholar on Islam in the arab world i don't know if you ever met him i did not um, He made an interesting point early on in the war on terror when a lot of us were talking about who we thought the enemy was, and we had any number of terms radical islam Islamists fill in the blank. And there was a lot of pushback from the CNNs and the Democrats at that time saying, you know, they don't represent Islam. The terrorists don't represent true Islam. And Bernard Lewis made an interesting point that's kind of relevant here with the point about Marxism. His point was, you know, they tell us all the time they are acting in the name of Allah and on behalf of Islam. Who are you, Mr. Secular, who doesn't even know how the Bible opens, to tell them that you know more about what Islam represents than they do? It's not an insult Absolutely. to call someone something they themselves call themselves. When Patrice Cullors of BLM says she is a trained Marxist, it's not an insult to say the founder of BLM is a Marxist. She's proud of it.
2: Absolutely. The, um There's an interesting uh, point that Churchill makes about the Second World War when he talks about Baldwin and then Chamberlain. Um, And so Baldwin, who was Prime Minister beforehand, he says, uh, knew little about Europe, uh, disliked what he knew. But Chamberlain was different. Chamberlain was the sort of intellectual uh, that actually compares in sort of the the way his mind seems to work to a modern uh, Obama big state bureaucrat. Chamberlain thought that he was, even though he he'd not really traveled in Europe and didn't know much about Europe, but he thought he did. He thought that he could understand what was in the minds of all of the European world leaders, and that he would know how to get the better of them in deals and negotiations. And he thought he'd done exactly that with the Munich Agreement, right. which uh, opened the door to Hitler taking over the rest of Czechoslovakia and ultimately uh, allowing the Second World War to take place. Uh, because these people fancy themselves as such experts that they think they know... More about other areas, other people's areas of expertise. Uh, Chamberlain thought he knew more about what Hitler wanted than Hitler did. And likewise, these people are in in our bureaucratic government today tend to think they know more about uh, Islam than Muslims do, and they think, incidentally, they know more about how to spend our money than we do because yep. they're just such experts in
0: everything.
1: Yes, that's that's a great point. The experts who are expert at everything. A great part of the progressive cause and movement. So let's let's take that to where we are now, where the mantra in the United States for the past, uh, well, almost year and a half now, Dan, has been trust the experts, uh, open bracket scientists, close bracket scientists, right? Um, I want to play something for you, but I don't have time in this segment to do it. Can I keep you a little longer yet, Dan? I'd love to. Sure thing. I appreciate it, because when we come back, I'd love your take on what it means to live in a in a in a in a free government to, or in a free society, as we tell ourselves we are in a um, in a free society, a republican form of government, a democracy, and yet and yet have these institutions that until yesterday no one really had heard of outside of the people that worked with those institutions. And have been monumentally wrong again and again and again with progressives telling us every time they jump over a cliff, we have to jump with them. I want to talk about that kind of public health and safety when we come back. We'll do so with Daniel Galanter in just a few moments. Don't go away. We will be right back. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero is the number. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Daniel Galanter of American Greatness is our guest. We're uh, talking about his most recent piece, but I want to get his thoughts, too. His most recent piece, no one can disagree with socialism, but I want to get his thoughts, too, on this thing we call the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Now, he doesn't technically work for the CDC, but when people say trust the scientists, they have in mind the king of all scientists, anthony fauci i think he's probably one of the most recognizable people in the world right now dan this was kind of a fun thing some folks put together uh it's all accurate but just listen carefully to the words it's amazing to me how america is supposed to follow this man who contradicts himself in the same exact sentence structures just listen to this
0: people should not be walking around with masks let me just state for the record that masks are not theater Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better. And Masks are protective. and we But it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. There has n- not been any indication that putting a mask on and wearing a mask for a considerable period of time has any deleterious effects. There are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying uh, 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 inside uh, uh, there? Of and course. You do not need... To wear a mask indoors if in fact you've been vaccinated good that you're vaccinated but in a situation where you have people indoors particularly crowded you should wear a mask so even if you are vaccinated you should wear a mask if in fact you are vaccinated fully vaccinated you are protected and you do not need to wear a mask outdoors or indoors when the children go out into the community you want them to continue to wear masks. You know, if you look at, at, at children outside, particularly when they're with the family, uh, walking down the street, playing a game or what have you, don't have to wear a mask.
1: Dan, Dan, they, this they, is impossible. They, How the hell do you follow that? It's impossible. Well, Trust is, that and follow uh, that.
2: He's, um, he's a perfect government bureaucrat with a, a flawless record over his career of being wrong on every single issue. And in that respect, very much like Joe Biden, who also has an almost flawlessly wrong uh, career record. And that's why they have been selected by the bureaucratic machine to sort of represent things. Now, of course, they don't get to make any decisions themselves. They are, they are the ideal bureaucrat because they will look uh, however they're told to look. They'll say whatever they're told to say with a straight face without any sense of how ridiculous they sound. Uh, but they're representative of a central principle of government which is that government thrives on failure it's not just that government doesn't reward success government rewards failure and uh, the because when when you fail in government you say that the reason is because you didn't have adequate funding and enough people and so you request more funding and more people now if government uh, gave you money to do something and you succeed in doing it then they say okay we don't need your program anymore your job was successful very good thank you very much you can go home now and this is why all branches of government have demonstrated this consistent record of failure throughout history and look at something like the uh, the CIA formerly the OSS and before that naval intelligence which by and large unfortunately has a history of missing major events the uh, and as far back as the Second World War. Of course, we didn't know that Pearl Harbor was coming. You can say that that's not really fair because intelligence was very nascent at the time. But by 1944, the OSS had been up and running for several years, and they failed completely to have uh, to give the American commanders, the Allied commanders, any hint that uh, Hitler was planning the Battle of the Bulge offensive. The one and only real success, that um, american intelligence had during the war was in the battle of midway Um and how did how did the government respond they they sidelined the officers who'd been responsible for that remarkable uh... remarkable piece of work they took station hypo uh... which was responsible for cracking those codes and figuring out the entire thing and they shut it down and they transferred the power to washington so the message is clear no matter what branch of government you're in don't succeed
1: This is why I now and have for the past three or four months, Daniel, been calling the CDC by its full name the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. That is its official name. And I think it's important people know the word prevention is part of their name because they utterly failed. They utterly failed. And we're supposed to listen to these these people. And I I, I just I'll close it with this. Thank God we have a bill of rights. That's all I can say, because we have one because there are organizations and institutions like the CDC. Um, I thank you for your work here, Dan, and look forward to your next installation and your next visit with us in Phoenix. Thanks for having me. As always, thank you, Daniel. 602 508 I gave some thoughts early on on why I thought Larry Elder had a very clear path to the governorship of California. I've been asked to reprise that, and I will. I did this about two and a half weeks ago. A lot of people are now kind of figuring it out. But if you wanted to be ahead of the curve, you'll want to tune in when we come right back. As I was saying a few weeks ago, I was outlining how I thought Larry could become the next governor of California and beyond, to quote Buzz Lightyear. People asked if I could reprise it. A lot of people are coming to this point of view now. This was me about two and a half weeks ago. Let me say a few other reasons why I think this Larry candidacy is such a big darn deal. Um, so I think he helps motivate the anti nose helps motivate people to go and vote against Newsom because he gives them a, a serious and hugely interesting and intriguing alternative. This is a man of, of, uh, of, of great education and great accomplishment, uh, and the... Question then becomes, how does a conservative like that get even possibly elected in California? Well, let me tell you, there's an awful lot of restaurant owners and restaurant employees. There's an awful lot of independents and people who haven't been political, who are awfully angry about having lost their livelihood, about having seen their communities become enveloped. By homeless populations crime through the roof because prosecutors and Democratic legislators have downgraded misdemeanors that make the stores have to take away their stock and close early cities are paying almost six figures more than a teacher's salary. To pick up hum- uh, to pay city employees to pick up human excrement in the streets. The drug problem has gone through the roof again. Californians are leaving the state in record numbers. Something like three fourths of San Franciscans say they would leave the state if they could. The conditions for a common sense turning around revision. 180 on all of this could not be more ripe. Now, let me tell you about something. Uh, uh, let me tell you something about California and social movements. This is the same state that voted for Proposition 187, which was something akin to our version of, uh, of 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 HB what was it uh, what what was the famous anti immigrant anti illegal immigration SB ten seventy is what HB I was searching for 1070, <laughs> whatever it was anyway Prop one eighty seven Californians passed it they passed the civil rights initiative which got rid of race preferences in hiring public accommodation hiring uh, excuse me public hiring and education and the Californians just this past November just this past November, voted overwhelmingly to keep racial preferences out, to reaffirm the California Civil Rights Initiative. I think the conditions for Larry to win are very, 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 very good. In fact, I would put it at probable. Now, what does that mean going forward? It means nothing short of an earthquake if Larry Elder does win. First of all, It answers a question about the Republican Party and the conservative movement. It answers a question as to where we are. Are we conservative or are we with the uh, faint-hearted, quiet people who do nothing but fight rear-guard actions against their own movement? No. There is no purer kind of conservatism with heart than you get from someone like Larry Elder. If you don't know what I'm talking about, watch his documentary, Uncle— Tom, I watched it at least four times, possibly five. It is a documentary that makes you want to cry. It made me actually cry. Larry Elder is that kind of candidate, that kind of person. He will not only show what conservatism is, he will give reasons to non-conservatives to be a conservative. Once he becomes governor of California... Then the country becomes saved. It's probably a DeSantis elder ticket, my guess, or an elder DeSantis ticket. Well, how do you go from being governor to running for president right away or vice president right away? I don't know. I don't know. Ask Barack Obama how long you had to be in public office before you could run for president. Or ask Ronald Reagan, who in 1967 became governor of California and ran for president in 1968. And But for Richard Nixon, probably would have been the nominee for president in 1968. But do you understand what the governor of California in the hands of Larry, the, the governor's office in California in the hands of Larry Elder means from welfare reform to crime reform, criminal justice reform, to education reform, to economic reform, to regulatory reform, to the discussion about race that the Republicans keep begging to have because the Democrats keep telling us we need to have national conversations about race before they then proceed to peremptorily shut us up. Larry will have none of it. He will go for none of it. Think of the issues we can deal with with crime. Think of the issues we can deal with regarding Black Lives Matter. Think of everything we can finally look to our party and say yes That's why I'm a Republican. Yes, that's why I'm a conservative. Larry Elder can do all of that. I'm not trying to make him a saint. I'm just trying to tell you he's the kind of guy we conservatives have been saying for years. I wish would run for public office. You can't have Dennis Prager. Fine. Take Larry Elder. Fine. You are going to change the country, folks, if you elect Larry Elder governor. I'm convinced of it. I'm just absolutely convinced not only that you could change the country with Larry Elder as governor. I'm convinced Larry Elder can be the next governor of California. Um, But you need to help him. You know, the stakes are really high. Electelder.com. I do not want to have gone through this exercise. I do not want to have gone through this exercise to see Gavin Newsom not have a serious enough competitor who is well-funded enough with enough good conservative and alternative ideas to not get the attention he deserves because the mainstream media is afraid of him so that Gavin Newsom is reelected. I do not want to have gone through this exercise to see Gavin Newsom reelected. I want to go through this exercise to see Larry Elder elected. There was no point, there was no point to trying to get rid of Gavin Newsom if we weren't going to replace it with something Better. Larry Elder isn't just better. He's great. He can save this party. He will help crystallize and instantiate conservatism in our movement. And I think he can be what Peggy Noonan once said in one of her books, sentence I never understood, but I think I do right now. And it's this sentence. I'll never forget it. A black man will someday save the United States of America. A lot of people thought Peggy Noonan was talking about Barack Obama, though she didn't specify. She didn't specify or probably think of Larry Elder either. But I think he could make it true. I'd love to know what you think. I'm Seth we'll be right back. We'll be right back. I'm Seth Liebson, and we will be right back. <sighs> Thank you for spending some of your afternoon with us. If you didn't get on, call back tomorrow and let us know you tried today, and we'll put you right up there. Let me close with um, thinking about uh, some of the discussion I had with Dan Galerter and some of what uh, we've been talking about today with regard to uh, socialism. It's not a phrase I used to use to describe the Democratic Party uh, because um, they – at that point, I thought were too premature – And it was a guess as to which way they would go. Would they go the Bill Clinton route and expunge the socialism in their party? Or would they go the route we're now seeing, which is embracing it, endowing it, and supporting it as much as they can? Do not forget Nancy Pelosi endorsed and gave money to, as the National Democratic Congressional Committee endorsed and gave money to, AOC, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib, and Ayanna Pressley against moderate Democrats who challenged them. Don't forget that. The Democratic Party and socialist Marxism are today one. And it needs to be said. Ironically, ironically, when we thought we buried socialism, we didn't. We'll talk tomorrow about how we finally can. Until then, I'm Seth, and God bless you. Class dismissed.